Proverbs 31. I'm going to read this in a little bit. My message today is speaking of the calling of women and uh, mothers in particular, but women in general. And in a sense, the lot that you have in life as a Christian woman. Um, I, I want to talk about these two aspects, that it's a high calling and a holy calling. If you're yet to be married, wanting, thinking, preparing, I hope that this sheds some light on what it means to be a woman of faith and to lead a family and some of the dynamics. This is a well-read passage of Scripture. I do not have to read it. Probably there are portions of Proverbs 31 that you know by memory, right? And I hope that in this message, um, it speaks something personal to you and for the men. I hope that it helps us to honor the women in our lives more fully and to be able to recognize and acknowledge the things that they do and be able to really just lift them up in ways that are timely, necessary, and full of affection. High and holy. Let me start off with a story that I don't know if it's exactly true, but it kind of makes my point a little bit. It's a story about a former president of the United States of America, President George Bush Sr. Okay, so it's been some years since he's been um, in office, and his wife, the first lady at that time, Barbara Bush. He's from Texas, and during his presidency, he was campaigning through his home state. And as they were going through the Lone Star State of Texas, they were in that presidential entourage, you know, all of these vehicles, right? And uh, the presidential limo ran out of gas or was running low, and so they stopped by a gas station, the story goes, and the gas station attendant, he gives special service because he sees that this is actually a presidential entourage going. So he runs out of the shop and he goes to the, what he thinks is the presidential vehicle and he begins to give full service at a self-service gas station, right? And he gives full service to the car. And within a few seconds, the first lady looks and recognizes the man. So she hops out of the car, runs over to the guy, gives him a hug, and they just chat up a story storm, right? And they're just talking about everything. They're laughing. And after a few minutes, the first lady comes back into the limo. And the president perks up. He goes, who was that? Right? And she goes, oh, that was my old boyfriend from high school. And at that time, the president begins to smirk. He kind of just sits back a little bit. Let me get this straight. You are married to the most powerful man in the world, the president of the leading economic force in all of the globe, and you are the first lady of America. If you married that guy, you would be the wife of a gas station attendant. And at that time, the first lady pipes back, oh, George, don't be silly. If I married him, he'd be the president of the United oh. States. <laughs> Uh, you know, the, the validity, the truth of that story, I don't know, but it makes the point. In Proverbs 31, verse 10, this is what it says. An excellent wife, who can find? 
for her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. Verse 11, you got to get that. When a man is married to such a woman, his life changes. He will have no lack of gain in his life because of the woman that he shares it with. This, I think, speaks profoundly into the influence of women, not only over a man, not only over a home, but I think over society. Over culture as we know it, there is a force that at times is hidden in the home, but it moves in the marketplace. In so many spaces, there is this presence and influence that is made manifest and known in so many discreet ways because it's actually shown at many times through the husband. That he lacks no gain in his life. He's got titles and power and resources, but a lot of that, I would say, is credited to the women in their lives. That's what this passage seems to point to. Proverbs 31 woman. Now, in City Chapel here, I think we are blessed with a great example of motherhood. Uh, you know, just kind of just thinking about some, some of the moms. Yesterday I visited one of the house churches, uh, you know, Tay and Dina's house church. And, you know, I, I got there a, a little bit late uh, because the boys had stayed up pretty late the night previous. And so uh, when I got there, they had already started sharing and doing a lot of stuff. But apparently I missed one of the most important parts. I missed the, the applause, right? Because uh, the house church outlined this past week, the first one was share an affirming word to the person next to you. And apparently Monica got like everything short of a standing ovation because she's a full-time nurse, She's a student getting her master's degree, soon to be graduated. She's a mother of two. She lives with her in-laws, right? And after that, they're like, they're like, oh, Monica. But I think what an example that is, right? I think, like Julia, she's a mother of two boys, a young woman, a full-time realtor an artist, blogger, so many things that she does as well. And she's had her hands in the renovation of this church for the last three weeks, doing all of that and some, right? I think about Karen, a stay-at-home mom, right? Now with two younger boys, right? And I think stay-at-home moms deserve a lot of recognition because they bring tremendous economic value to the home that is unnoticed, right? Uh, I mean, if you think about all of the work that has to be done around the house, I mean, dishes and laundry always need to be done, washed, right? And it never gets noticed, and it's piling up every single day. But beyond that, what it means to raise children, to keep a home, and to do that with such grace, I think deserves tremendous recognition, right? Dina, our newest mom, right? Raylan, just a few months old, you know, she's learning motherhood, like cutting her teeth right now, right now. And we've, for you moms, you know what that means to cut your teeth with your first child, right? Everything is like new to you, right? And like, what, what are we going to do? And you're just learning on the go. And the only thing that keeps you sane is love through the sleepless nights. And what keeps you calm and steady is your sacrificial service to this newborn that God has given to your life. And that's her life. She's a well-respected marketer for her company, you know. 
you know, a, a business school grad and has done so much and now she's at home with her young baby. I think about even like Susie's mom. English is not even her first language. And she comes and she serves so selflessly. Right? That's the spirit of motherhood, I think. You know, I, I left out my wife, right? Um, right now she's probably ordering lunch for us, right? Because that's actually how she serves our church in so many ways. You know, when, when the weekend rolls around, the first thing that she thinks of is, how, how can I feed our church? And she wants to do that, and she, she does it with so much grace, and, and she doesn't, you know, I'll toot her horn because she won't do it herself, right? But I have been graced to, to have so many wonderful women in my life, starting, I think, with my wife, you know. She's also a mom of two. She works as a dental office manager. We recently started our own business that she operates and runs. And she does all of this while balancing the life of a pastor's wife and all the things that that entails. Right. My mother-in-law's here. Right. When I think of her, I think of a nurturer. She sacrificially has raised her three children and has had her hands in all six grandchildren. Right? They've all been raised through her hands. Right? And the affection that she has and the love that she has to feed and to really support them, I think shines a great, great star for motherhood. Right? I think of my own mom. The way that she has loved my brother and, and me growing up and how she just so selflessly just worked. I remember from early morning dawn, and she, I, my brother and I, anybody else a latchkey kid? Like, we were latchkey kids. We went to school, came home by ourselves, right? We walked, right? Because our parents were working as immigrants, right? And just trying to make a living for their family at that time in Canada, then moving eventually to the United States, right? Working so hard, uh, running a, 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 a little mini mart slash flower shop, going early. My dad would go to buy, buy flowers from the auction. My mom would make it tired. Her hands would be just so calloused and just so wrinkly from all of the water and the stems and all of the cutting and hard work. And she'd work from, I, I would say, 6, 6 a.m. and she wouldn't come back until 10 p.m. taking public transit a lot of the time. Right? But I think the picture that stands out most to me from my mom is how she served my dad in sickness. My dad's anniversary for his passing is today, three years today, May 13th, right? And uh, uh, my dad battled with ALS, Lou Gehrig's, for about 10 years. And just seeing how my mom was next to him and how she actually was the full-time caretaker. There was no nurse around. She was that, right? And she was a pastor's wife, slash mom, slash wife, slash caretaker. And all of the things that she did that I saw, I mean, I wanted to give her every award in the world for, for what she did for my dad. And she did it with such grace. And I, I, I accredit a lot of what my dad accomplished in life because of her. I think about me and... Anything good that you can ever say about me, as long as you've known me, a lot of that I would say is because of the influence of Jenny in my life. Women, they say man is the head, women are the neck. It just turns wherever the, the woman wants her. There's a lot of truth to that, right? It's not just about manipulation. It's about influence. A woman's influence in the home is so great. 
Proverbs 31 speaks a side of womanhood, motherhood that is so special, so honoring. But at times you can look at this women and say to yourself, wow, like this is absurd. (laughs) Okay, let's continue to read. Can we? Proverbs 31. I'll start again from verse 10. An excellent wife who can find. For her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. She is like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. She considers a field and she buys it. You see the entrepreneurship here, right? From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff. Her hands grasp the spindle and extends her hand to the poor. And she stretches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes her coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates and when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. Strength and dignity are her clothing. She smiles at the future. She opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and bless her, her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Sometimes I find it difficult for me to preach on this because I'm a man and it's a passage about women. Sometimes I feel like it's easier for a woman to read this to other women, right? Because here there is a a bar that seems like how in the world am I ever going to reach that, that standard? Like, waking up at night, spindle, like needy people, wisdom, kindness, marketplace, walking from afar, like clothing my children, like all of this stuff. Like, man, I'm just like, I just, I just want to like get up in the morning and relax and have a cup of coffee for a second, right? And there's a part of this passage that feels so unattainable. It feels like, man, like, you know what? I don't know. And so as a man, I read this passage and I can say, oh, hon, yeah, this should be you, you know? But I think there's something to it when a woman looks at this and sees this and shares this with the other women in her lives. When a mom sits down with a daughter and says, hey, darling, this is what we're looking at. This is our calling, right? And to be able to to live life in this way, there is an effect that goes beyond the scope of that one individual woman's life. 
Because we all have influence, right? Wherever we go, we exert energy, right? You can think of body heat going out. Yes, of course. As you go into a room, you increase the temperature of that room, right? But beyond just the aura and the heat that emanates from your bodies, there is influence. Wherever you go, you go to work one day, you influence people. Your ideas come out of you. Your, your, your hands of service, they extend to people. Your words affect somebody's emotional condition. Wherever we go, influence is there. And here what I see is primarily what is happening is that the woman is doing things that are surrounded by her immediate family and some significant business deals or interactions. But apart from that, her influence is right there, her family, right? But you, you can't stop the ripple effect there because there are waves coming from this woman's life that are just knocking over her husband and her children and they're going to the city gates. They're going from marketplace to marketplace and it is spreading from community to the next and it is all starting within a home, within a family context. That's the life of this woman. But it's so special. And so today I, I talk about this high and holy calling that women have. And that's the first place that I'll start. But let me start with this quote from Abraham Lincoln. All that I am or ever hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. A very well-known quote, right? The first point that I'll share today is that a woman's calling is high. That it's high. That there is a role that you play in your homes and in society that is so integral, such a crucial piece to this puzzle called community. This high calling. Women, if I were to give you an analogous body part, I would say you are the backbone. Backbone, right? That you actually hold everything together, right? Like, can you imagine a body without a spine? <laughs> like, it's just like a jellyfish, right? Nothing, you're, where, where are your arms and like, where, where you're like, where does this all attach to? Like, you have a head, it looks great. Oh, it's a beautiful head, but it's just like a floating bobblehead, right? <laughs> like, nothing makes sense without a backbone. Nothing makes sense. Nothing in the body would stand erect and make any sense in the world without a backbone, right? But who acknowledges the backbone, right? I mean, when you look at somebody, do you ever say, oh, wow, that, like, man, she, she, like that, she's got a great backbone, right? I mean, you might notice posture, right? But beyond that, I mean, it is so unnoticed, but so important. And I, I see that as such a great picture of womanhood, of motherhood. You know, from time to time, I, um, I, I, I write a little bit of stuff, and, you know, I just think about, and I, I like to write about family and, you know, personal growth and faith. And as um, I think about that relationship between, like, a husband and a wife and, and what that looks like, um, I, I, I say this, within every man, there is both king and fool. Every man, within his heart, there is both 
a king and a fool. He actually becomes the person that is spoken to. If the woman in a man's life speaks to him like a king, he'll act like one. He'll actually become that king in the workspace, in the home, in the best sense of that word, right? But on the flip side of it, the power that a woman has over a man's life is that strong. And if I were to think of some imagery, it's like, you know, have you ever gone to the Grand Canyon? Any type of like riverbed, right? It could be a small stream, it does not matter, right? The Grand Canyon on a, on a larger scale. All the canyon was at one time was a small trickle of water. That's all it was. Water trickling from a high point to a low point and choosing a route. And the more and more rain that came down and the more and more water that flowed down from that high point to that low point, it began to choose a particular route. And the more and more volume, the more and more flow, the more and more time, slowly all of the water began to always flow down here and then this began to deepen. This is how a riverbed gets deeper. This is how river streams become rivers, right? And then eventually how canyons are born, right? And that, in essence, I think is how self-identity is brought about. Anybody's self-identity. The things that are constantly said and reinforced in our lives is like the trickle of water, right? And we subsequently live it out and begin to believe that about ourselves, whatever is reinforced. And for the man, the greatest volume of water that flows through his life is from the mouth of the significant woman in his life. That's the most volume of water, right? And to me, that speaks of the influence and the power that women have over men in general, over society. Because this identity, this self-actualization is working out in tandem in this partnership. And so the value of this excellent wife that Proverbs 31 is speaking of, it is just through the roof, through the roof. And so a woman's calling, it is high. You know, I, I read this quote somewhere. To the world you are a mother, but to your family you are the world. You'll probably find this on a mug somewhere if you go into a, a Christian bookstore or somewhere, right? And you just type like Mother's Day mug, you'll find one of these. I promise you, okay? <laughs> right? But there's a lot of truth to this, right? Like, your title is mom. But within the home, you're everything. Like you're everything. To your children. You are the world. To your husband. You are the world. I read this passage. Like the woman's hands, they're everywhere. <laughs> Right? And so, you know, I think women are better multitaskers than men, aren't they? Like, I look at my wife and I, we're like different that way. Like, me, I sit down on a desk and I can sit there for like six hours without moving, right? And like, if I'm doing something, like, 
nothing else registers. I'm like multi, I mean, one dimensional in focus, right? But her, like, just look at her desk at home. That's multitasking, right? There's a difference between her desk and my desk. My desk is oriented towards doing one task at a time, right? Her desk is oriented towards keeping the entire world in right order is what it is, right? It's all there. It's all there. And she knows it. Look in any woman's purse and you'll find a multitasker, right? It is just that way. I mean, this woman, you know, she's in the marketplace and then she's in the home. She's grabbing the needle and she's got like a ledger balancing books, right? She's got wisdom and kindness on her tongue. She is doing stuff for others as well as for the household and she seems to be doing so much here. And in a sense, I, I see that this woman who is dressed in fine linen and in purple, which is a mark of, of status, of elegance, I sense from this is that there is a, a self-acknowledged beauty about her that she has about herself, but she knows that her worth is far more than that. And it's acknowledged by her children and her husband. It's acknowledged in the fact when they realize that the charm, it comes and it goes. It, you really can't gauge a person correctly by that. Beauty, just wait four decades, <laughs> no amount of makeup is going to like repair that, like it's fleeting, right? And that's not what keeps us together. There is something more deep, it's, it's more intrinsic to who you are, and it's that you're looking towards God, that your eyes are towards Her. And if I were to think of one of the greatest lessons that my mom has ever given me, and it was about pastoring. And she would always reinforce to me a picture. She would always say, if God is in front of you, you, you be in the front and you look in one direction with your arms raised, worshiping. This is the life of a pastor. Not trying to get behind and corral everybody and say, hey, come on, let's go this way. You walk this way. Honor the Lord each day of your life and worship Him. And it was a message that I hold so dear to me. And that, in essence, is coupled with another lesson that goes hand in hand. And I've shared this with you. Her father, who was a pastor, shared on a small piece of paper some wisdom for his daughter, my mom. And then it went something like this, and she passed that to me. She says, whenever you have a small thought, make it the size of the world, of this earth. Whenever you have an average thought, make it the size of our universe. But whenever you have a big thought, make sure you make it the size of God. And what that taught me was perspective. It taught me not to get wound up and all stressed out about small stuff. Because my mom was teaching me, the smallest thing you should think of is things that are global in nature, global in size. Make that your smallest thought. Don't get caught up in small squabbles when your small thought should be this. 
And when you venture out from this and begin to think slightly larger, begin to think of the scope of humanity in where he rests in the universe, and when you can actually conceive a larger thought, make sure that's how big you think God is. That wherever you turn, you bump into him. That wherever you are, whatever you're looking at, see God in that moment, in that picture, is what she was teaching me. In that lesson, I take with me every season of life. I hold those two things so close to me. And that's what she's taught me. She was a woman that I saw that was looking towards God, that feared God. I remember, as I've shared, being a 13-year-old, her coming out of her prayer room after being in there for a couple of hours and just knocking on my door and calling me. She called me Bobby, right? You know, come on out. And she's saying, you know, God was calling you as a pastor. You know, not thinking much of that as a teenager back then, but seeing that come into fruition and the prophetic voice that she had over her family was profound. I see her as the first Proverbs 31 woman in my life. I see my wife as the second. The charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord she shall be praised. That's a high calling. The second thing that I'll say is that a woman's calling is holy. Because to a woman, your immediate duty might be to nurture. Like, if you think about men and women, women are better nurturers by how they are created, right? Guys get involved and connect by doing things. Women connect by talking, right? Men like that activity nature, but women like that relational aspect of conversing. And they're natural, naturally better at nurse, nurturing and, and nursing. That's why they have historically been the primary caregivers of children. If you look at elementary schools all throughout this country and around the world, you will see predominantly women being uh, teachers for younger aged children. My elementary, uh, the elementary school for Jacob, there's four first grade classes. All four teachers are women. You look at the second grade teachers and you keep on going up. You have to get into middle school and high school and college before you start to see a shift. Because men begin to teach people that are older, but women like to nurture the young children. And it's that dynamic. And so your immediate duty and nature might be to nurture your immediate one, right? That when you're in the home, when you're thinking of your children, when you're thinking of your family, right? I think of my wife, you know, she's so protective over the boys. I'm like, let them fall. Let them get scratched a little bit. It'll teach them something, right? Not to run next time that haphazardly in that space, right? But she is so like nurturing and motherly. She's that mother hen wanting to like gather her chicks always under the safety of her wings because she's a natural nurturing person. That's immediate to her, right? But though this is the immediate duty or responsibility of women, I want to say this, that your ultimate duty is to worship as, as a woman, as a wife, as a mother. That here, all of the stuff that she did in the home, all of the stuff that she did in the marketplace, I mean, she deserves an applause, right? Like, man, she deserves an applause. 
But the praise for her life by her children and her husband is not about any of those things. It is more basic and fundamental to what she's looking at in life. Because the husband recognized something important, that her character was born out of her worship. That what she did in the home was a direct result of how she viewed God. It affected that way. And so the husband would say, you know what, charm, yeah, it's deceitful, beauty is vain, but my wife, she fears the Lord, and that is why she is to be praised. I mentioned Abraham's Link, Abraham Lincoln's homage to his mom earlier. Well, here's another quote. I remember my mother's prayers, and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all of my life. If you look up Abraham Lincoln quotes, there is a lot of quotes about his mom. A lot. I bet you you've never seen a picture of his mom. I bet you you don't know what her name is. But you know this guy. He's plastered on, on money. There's monuments at the Capitol that are ginormous. <laughs> Everybody knows him. And in a sense, it is because of the, the strong and godly woman in his life that he rose to the place of gain, where he would sit at the gates of the city and all of the elders would know his name. He accredits all of his success to that woman in his life. That's how powerful, how influential a mother and wife is. And so your calling as a woman, as a wife, as a mom, is high, is holy. And I don't have this as a main point, but if I were to give you another H, <laughs> I would say respectfully, and I say this respectfully as a man, your calling is hidden. All of the acknowledgement in this passage of Scripture was received by her husband. I don't think that's fair. I think there's a lot of marketplace studies right now where there's a disparity between recognition, pay, all of that stuff. And I'm, I'm all for women in, in the marketplace and exerting that influence there. Because in your house church outlines, you'll see a small graph there talking about even though women are more active in the workspace, that does not mean they're sacrificing childcare hours. Actually, childcare hours have increased even though they spend more time at work. They're not sacrificing time with their children by working in the marketplace. But if I were to say this, and again respectfully, I, I would say that your calling is hidden. That a, a lot of the acknowledgement, a lot of the acclaim that your family will receive, it might come through your husband's last name or face. But, but I want you to know that that doesn't diminish your role your influence, and how God sees you in society. 
And again, I say that respectfully, not saying that you got to hide behind your husband and he has to do everything if you are married or when you get married. But I do see that here, that this woman is diligent and her husband lacks no gain, that everything that she does makes her husband known as he sits at the city gates. So if you are a woman here today, we honor you, your children and your husbands, they recognize, hopefully, the sacrifice, the love, the passion, the intention, the worship. I'm going to close. Praise team, you guys come back. I'll close with one major point, and I just want to say this, ladies, your truest identity is not in the multiple roles that you have, is not in mom or wife, it is not in your, your job title, your truest identity is daughter of God, daughter of God. Rest in that. It's tough being a woman sometimes in our society. Especially now because two-income households are the norm. And the, the, the public eye, whether it be from your extended family or your friends or whoever else, might look upon that and say, you know what, even though you're working, you still can't give up your, 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 your wifely or, or motherly duties. And there's a lot of pressure on that. You're balancing a lot of stuff. And sometimes, you know, you feel like it goes unnoticed that, you know, I'm doing all of this stuff and, you know, who notices any of this? It just gets dirty again the next day. It's got to be cleaned up again. It's got, they got to be fed again. They got, got to do this again. And, you know, and no one's acknowledging that I'm not getting any award. No one's giving me a paycheck for any of this. And at times I, I can realize that, yeah, it's not easy. And at times we can get so wrapped up in all of those titles and roles and hats that we wear. But I want you to know that the first hat that you have on, the identity that is truest to your nature, is daughter of God. Receiving His grace. Receiving His mercy. His voice. Rest in that. Let all that you do flow out of that identity. When you go to school, the workspace, when you address, talk with your family or friends. Let your identity come. I am first and foremost a daughter of the Most High God. But I do want to say this. You are loved and you are appreciated. That all that you do is seen first by God and hopefully by the people around you. And we thank you. Amen.